Today on Season 3, Episode 25 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, Bryce and Ken talk the Packers 2019 draft class entering their sophomore season with the Packers. Will Rashawn Gary finally start making a name for himself? Did Elton Jenkins just scratch the surface of his ability as a rookie? How can we expect Darnell Savage to be used in his second year? We sprinkle in some Smith Brothers, a dash of Lafleur, a splash of Levin Dillon, top it off with a listener question. And now it's time for Sophomores on Tap. so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go back, go! Running isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Packers sophomores on tap, highlighting year two of your Green Bay Packers co-hosting for the fourth time with myself and Ken Ingles. And we're going to highlight Matt LaFleur going in his year two. He was 13-3, and three, most wins for a first-year head coach by the Green Bay Packers, first head coach as a rookie to win more than 10 games, undefeated in the NFC North. Who is your daddy, Mike Zimmer? Who is your daddy? First playoff berth in three years, and the Packers finishing 13-3, and going on to the playoffs, winning the NFC North 6-0 in division play. We're also going to talk about Rashawn Gary, Darnell Savage. Ken's going to talk about Elton Jenkins, the Smith brothers. And then in the second half, we're going to talk about a couple fan questions. One from Professor Cheddarhead, what was the best cap move that Russ Ball has made. And then we're going to highlight the recent signings of Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon. But first and foremost, going into year two, let's talk a little bit about Rashawn Gary and what kind of people are maybe projecting. First and foremost, Ken, what do you think? Do you think there is a reason to get excited about Rashawn Gary, why the Packers took him 12th overall? If the Packers take a man... 12th overall, there's got to be something there, right? And I know a lot of people right away, they were disappointed that he didn't get on the field his freshman year and just light the world on fire. This is a guy who, in my opinion, needed a little bit of, you know, he's like a ball of clay, needed to be molded a little bit. And I am I am hyped for year two of the Gary Project, man. I, I can't wait to see him unleashed with the Smith brothers this year. I think so too. And I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the Smith brothers. This is what Mike Smith had said about Rashawn Gary right after the Packers selected. And keep in mind, the new outside linebackers coach from last year was so excited by Rashawn Gary's selection that he was running up and down the hallway in Lambeau Field on draft night after the pick. In minicamp, Gary was behind uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith, and we're going to talk about those guys a little bit, the Smith brothers. But this is what Mike Smith said. A guy that size, that speed, and that athleticism, when you're an offensive tackle in the league and you got to deal with a guy like that who has that get-off, that speed, and you're strong and powerful, it's a dangerous combination. We just got to learn how to use those tools. And that's what you said, you know, 
a, a ball of clay molding this really uber athlete. Keep in mind, you know, at 17 years old in high school, playing out a Paramus Catholic in New Jersey, if he would say if they would have not had any sort of stipulation on high school players going pro for college football. As a junior, two more years left in high school football, he could have probably been a top five pick. That's how highly regarded he was coming out of high school. He was the highest rated prospect coming out of high school. And then when he went to Michigan, they didn't really tailor a lot to his skill set like they did in high school for him with Gary. So this will be interesting going into year two where they've been talking about Rashawn Gary being a table setter for Zedarius Smith and Preston Smith. But, you know, they talked about concerns about his drive, his energy, his motivation in college. I, I don't think that's a question. You see his workout videos. You see what Preston Smith and Zedarius Smith have said about Rashawn Gary. He didn't light up the world statistically, but he did play 16 games. So, you know, being the fourth drafted edge rusher, you know, it was a shock last year. Again, back-to-back drafts for Brian Gutekunst where it's kind of a shock. You know, 12th pick, I don't think anyone was really thinking Rashawn Gary. Right now, you've got a guy that can really learn behind Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith. I think Mike Smith, being that offensive linebacker guru, you're going to see Rashawn Gary moved all along that linebacking position group. I think he can be a Swiss Army knife. Yeah, man, I, I can't wait. And to your point, like a man that big, that fast, that strong, that powerful, if he can figure out how to just learn the NFL way of doing it, learning the techniques, he it can be a ton of fun to watch him on the field, especially if you come up with a package where you can figure out a way to get Gary, the Smith brothers, Kenny Clark on the field at the same time. Just what do you do? What do you do as an offensive line? Like you say, you know, just cross your fingers and say, okay, just hold on for as long as you can. I, I get the ball out immediately. Like, what do you it's do? It's a good problem to have. And you've got that secondary too. I think it's all coming together, but you know, no question. I mean, we're also speculating that there's going to be a season. So keep in mind, like, we're right. not bypassing the whole fact, like, there's going to be a season. So, like, we're just talking Packers football. And so, hypothetically, you know, I, I do believe that Gary, as long as he can stay healthy, he's got that motor. I think, you know, he's that wild stallion. You've seen his rookie year. He When he's bending, he, he's not dipping quick enough. And so it, what it seems like is offensive linemen kind of figure him out and push him out of the way. If he can get that swim move, if he can get a little bit more technical, like Zadarius Smith does. So I think it's a good problem to have where you got to see him, even though he played 16 games, you know, he didn't he didn't really light up the world on fire with, you know, with his stats. But I think talking about the defense, you know, the Smith brothers, which you cleverly coined before they even signed with the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> you need to get royalty, my friend, pay this man, some money. So let's talk about the Smith brothers right now and what they did. You know, he tur- he arguably turned the most dominant performance by a Packers defender since Reggie Wright running rock shot over the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings one game specifically. He finished sixth in the league with 13 and a half sacks and according to Pro Football Focus had 93 pressures to lead the NFL. Let's talk about Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and what they bring to the table. Now, year two, essentially had their rookie years coming in, big-time free agent splashes, and Gutekunst hit a home run with these two guys. 
oh, he nailed it out of the park. And nobody expected Green Bay to spend as wildly as they did. I think they were the top or maybe the second top highest spending team in free agency last year. It was unreal. And I remember, and you know, you joke about me coining the phrase. I um I I was looking back at my old tweets because I remember, I remember this vividly that Tony Pauline Scout tweeted out something saying that Zadarius and Preston were getting a lot of pre-free agency opening up buzz. And he had a tweet about talking about both of those guys. And I had <laughs> I retweeted saying, let's bring the Smith brothers to Green Bay. And that was like two days or three days before free agency even opened. So yeah, a little joke. I, where are my royalties at? Yeah, pay you this money. <laughs> and I'm glad, you know, when we're talking about really the fab, the fab four for fabulous free agents, this past offseason, just for comparison, the New York Jets spent $226 million, $40 million more than any other team. The reward was seven wins. Five teams spent at least $170 million. Three missed the playoffs, including Detroit. Who's your daddy, Matt Patricia? Matt LaFleur. That's who your daddy is. And of the nine biggest spenders, seven missed the playoffs. The Packers, however, were different. According to Track, and I know, I know, uh, they spent the second most in free agency <laughs> this past offseason with $186.4 million doled out for the signings and re-signings. Headliners were Zadarius Smith, four years, 66 mil. Preston Smith, four years, 52 mil. Adrian Amos, four years, 36 mil. In terms of contracts, they ranked 6th, 11th, and 20th in this year's free agency class. Crazy. Yeah. Unreal. Unreal. I remember, too, that um, Jason from Over the Cap, I I even put a question out to him, like, hey, what do you think the Packers are going to do this year? (laughs) And he's like, until I see it, I'm not going to answer your question because they just don't spend money. And then boom, they come out here and just, you know, win the silver medal in terms of cash out the door. Unreal. And yeah, the, the, the fab four, I think they nailed it out, you know, knocked it out of the park. You know, people criticize Billy Turner, but he's an above average right guard. And that's, he got what you pay and above average right guard. So I'm fine with it. People seem to crap on that deal or crap. You know, I think, you know, you, you get what you pay for, and that's just the going right. But yeah, man, going back to the to the Smith brothers, like un unreal what they were able to bring to the table in their their freshman year with with the Packers. Their combined stats again. Let's talk about them combined because hey, they do their uh, press conferences as a team. So let's talk about them as a team as a duo. And the more you combine them, the more royalties you get. Ken, we're always looking <laughs> for other revenue sources right there. Sure, sure. So, yeah, 111 tackles, 60 quarterback hits, 25 and a half sacks, 28 tackles for loss combined. Just unreal, unreal. And I remember going into, like, right after the signings, people were kind of analyzing and looking through the details of, you know, who are these guys? Who are these Smiths that, you know, most people in Green Bay had never even heard about before? And the one stat that really you know jumped off the charts was for both of them is they pressure the quarterback. They might not necessarily get the sacks, mm-hmm. you know, prior to coming to Green Bay, but the pressure rate was tops in the NFL for both of these guys. And then Kudakuns figures out a way to get both these guys on the same team, attacking from both sides. And when you get what we saw, just they completely dominated. They both have a knack for getting to the quarterback, causing disruption. And even if it 
doesn't show up on the stat sheet as, you know, a fancy sack or a hit, tackle for loss, it, the amount of just havoc and disruption in the backfield was off the charts. And you look at a guy like Zadarius, like, he, I remember, you know, you mentioned the Minnesota game, mm-hmm. right? Week 16 for the mm-hmm. NFC, NFC, no, sorry, not NFC, NFC North yeah. Championship crown yeah. was basically on the line. And he took over the game. He took over the game. Three and a half sacks, f- five quarterback hits, and five tackles for loss. It's like unreal. And you look at, I went, actually went play by play, those, those impact plays. Tackle for loss resulted in a punt. He had a tackle and a sack on back-to-back plays, ended in a punt. Tackle for loss, punt. Had a sack, and then that led to an interception. And then he had another half sack with his buddy Preston, resulted in a punt. And then his final sack, turnover on downs. Like that's that's <laughs> every time the field. he had an impact. Yeah, he, he completely dominated that game and won the crown, basically single-handedly by himself. Every time he had an impact play behind the line of scrimmage, it was a positive play for the defense as a whole. And every time it happened, uh, Vikings blanked on the scoreboard for that drive. You, you, you talk about, you know, Coinan, the Smith brothers, and, you know, another shameless plug is, uh, you know, Coinan, I tweeted this out, and granted, you know, I, I don't generate enough buzz, but like when I tweeted it out, I was like, this, there's something to this where Zadarius Smith is to Brian Gutekunst as Charles Woodson is to Ted Thompson and Reggie White is to Ron Wolf. And I tweeted that out there and got a lot of backlash. You know, this was like a week after the signing. So it was like last year, you know, end, end of March. And my whole point was like the impact you know, bringing in a free agent, so like Reggie White and then Charles Woodson and now Zadarius Smith, I mean, it it was a dominant performance and you just laid it out right here. The NFC North on the line, our division rival, a team that we despise and clearly Mike Zimmer despises Matt LaFleur with his embarrassing (laughs) display of handshake etiquette. And uh, again, I think the swagger that LaFleur brings Zadarius Smith brings, and they're just getting started with, you know, year two right now. And talking about Zadarius Smith, let's talk about what Preston Smith did too. I think like a lot of times we just, we we bypass, you know, Preston, but this was another guy that single-handedly took over games as well. And it's impressive too, because he had five more sacks than Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers brought in a $90 million deal. And so you you look at like the shrewd moves by Russ Ball and Brian Gutekunst, and you essentially get two edge rushers for the price of what the Detroit Lions got with Trey Flowers. That's awesome. I love the way you put it. You know, two for one, two for one Smith discounts. I guess if you buy in bulk uh, with Smiths, and you also got the uh, coach named Smith too. It, uh, Ooh, the triple threat the there. Run. Yeah, I like that. The triple threat. Well, let's continue. Well, and then. Well, just really quick, too, like with, with the Smiths. So not only what they brought on the field, but like what they brought to the locker room. Like those guys came in and immediately just upgraded the culture and the leadership on defense. Like Zadarius getting getting the captain. Yeah. You know, when he's never been a captain before. You know, the their locker room, the way that they interview, they interview together, like just, just an amazing atmosphere that they brought. And... 
you know, and just going from what Clay Matthews and Nick Perry mm-hmm. to those guys both being out on the street and you have these two, you know, relatively unknown, you know, the Packer nation, you know, who are these Smith guys coming in? They each play 16 games they produce and they just are excellent leaders, like just out of the park signings. And I can't wait to see what they can do in their sophomore season. I'm glad you mentioned Clay Matthews and Nick Perry, because in 2018, they combined for five sacks and 43 pressures. The Smiths combined for 25 sacks and 148 pressures. Since sacks became an official stat in 1982, they are the first Packers tandem in which each player has posted at least a dozen sacks. Preston Smith finished eighth in the league with 12 sacks and 23rd among edge defenders with 55 pressures. Smith, like I said, had five more sacks and six fewer pressures than Detroit's Trey Flowers. Now check this out. Trey Flowers, like I said, had a $90 million deal, which was the most expensive in free agency. It included a $56 million guarantee. The Smiths and Amos signed deals with a combined $48 million guarantee. I'm sorry, I crowned Matt LaFleur as our daddy. Russ Ball is your daddy. I mean, look, I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, maybe this is a little harbinger for things to come in the second half of Packers sophomores on tap. But I'm, I'm really curious now about Elton Jenkins. And then we're also going to talk about our man, macho man, Darnell Savage, the great white shark, as we wrap up the first half. But give it to me straight with Big E. I mean, I what year two of what he can do? I mean, he played like an all-pro veteran in his rookie year, might go down as the best draft pick when it's all said and done by general manager Brian Gutekunst. Yeah, can you imagine Can you imagine having the 12th overall pick and two first-round picks in that round, and we're sitting here talking about <laughs> maybe, maybe that offensive lineman that no one knew who he was that was taking in, in the second right? round being the star. People the lost show. their minds. They're like, why are we taking a center? And how little do we forget that it was actually a center that we drafted? I mean, we put him to left guard, too. Right, yeah. Yeah. Elton Jenkins is a center by trade. And it's funny, like uh, Jimmy Our Christensen um, with Packer Report, yeah, Jimmy, friend of the show, uh, guest of the show, you know, got a chance to sit down and interview with him. And it was funny that <laughs> Elton said that you know his biggest transition coming into the league was to actually get the technique down at guard because he hadn't <laughs> played guard in a live competitive game in two years. So just getting the technique at guard and learning the things that you needed to do to be, to succeed at that position. And... He utterly dominated. He killed it. You know, he didn't. He wasn't the day one. He, he wasn't the day one starter. Lane Taylor was there for the first two games of the year, and then he suffered his suffered his uh, yeah. injury. Was it week biceps, two right? that he got injured, yep. and then Elton came in in week two? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think towards bicep. But yeah, he, he was absolutely dominant. He had what six hundred ninety four pass blocking snaps last year, and he didn't allow a single sack. And just one quarterback hit from the blind side <laughs> on the left side. It's unreal. And another fact, one of two guards who took 650 pass blocking snaps in last year and didn't allow a single snap. There's only two guards who did that. The other one's wow. like the Cowboys. It's just, right. And this is a guy who said, yeah, he really wasn't comfortable playing guard. That was his biggest adjustment is that remembering and how to get that technique down. So this guy was playing arguably out of position <laughs> and 
mm-hmm. looked like a pro bowler on the left-hand side of the line. And the, the future here is just, it, it, it could be off the charts. Um, you know, he talks about, you know, further in that article with Jimmy, he talks about how Elton obviously says that his pass blocking is his strongest trait right now, but he's trying to get his run blocking up there on the same level of his pass blocking, and then we're going up and up. You know, that's his quote. If you, if he, you know, becomes this pile driver of a run blocker, like that's you've yeah. you've got an all pro, future all pro. You you have to. And then even David Bakhtiari comes in. You know, they, uh, he had an interview recently too, talking about the person he's most excited about, and he also mentioned Elton Jenkins taking having the potential for the biggest leap in year two because he talks about how going from year one to year two is typically your biggest leap year. And that Elton has, you know, the juice to, to elevate the game even more and have the O-line just be dominant on that side of the ball, which I am, I'm here for it. I can't it's, wait. It's scary to think, you know, when we're talking Packers sophomores that Elton Jenkins, like, you know, he, he could be the most dominant, I mean, going into year two. And uh, what a great problem to have, you know, the versatility of Elton Jenkins. And I think it's interesting where people are like, he's your left guard, he's your left guard. Yeah, I mean, he dominated, but again, like you mentioned, he was also picking it up. Like, are you kidding me? So for him to get comfortable even more so, I mean, he already plays big nasty. Uh, I, I wouldn't want to mess with him. And how he can get to the next level, you know, you know, he gets to that second tier, third tier. Uh, a lot of the reason why Aaron Jones was successful and how he could maneuver was a lot of it was because of Elton Jenkins and how he could actually chip away at two or three defenders. I'm really impressive. And, you know, I we've mentioned I'm not a huge film guy. Like, I don't grind day in and day out. There are people that do it way better, and I love to tune in to uh, what they have to display. And But I will say, going back, you know, I always watch the games again. And I found myself last year looking at Elton Jenkins more and more. And I, I got to be honest, I, I can't remember tuning in to an offensive lineman. And as a rookie, you know, when Luke Getze, our, uh, our wide receivers coach, was thrilled because, you know, he uh, coached at uh, Mississippi State where Elton Jenkins played at, I kind of thought like, oh, you know, what, what is he supposed to say? Like, oh, that was a terrible pick. But oh my gosh, like, you know, how Getze gushed about Elton Jenkins. I mean, he hit it on all notes and to think that maybe he's just scratching the surface and he is going to get even more comfortable bodes well for the Green Bay Packers you need that offensive line you win in the trenches and so I I can't wait anything else you want to touch on with Elton Jenkins no man for me I'm just curious to see is he going to be our Pro Bowl left guard or is he going to be our Pro Bowl center that's that's what I'm here for it's one of the two I mean We'll talk more about uh, free agency. I, I mean, that's the that's the hot topic. I mean, you can we talked about talking O line on tap, so definitely check that out where we talk about the future uh, of that position. I'm excited. I mean, it, it's a great debate to have. Where do you put Ellen Jenkins? I mean, I think you, you put him at left guard because you got Lindsley there. But man, we could talk about this for hours as we as we wrap up the first half of Packers sophomores on tap. I do want to talk about. Another Packers sophomore, a guy that is going to take that year two jump, Darnell Savage. Uh, after being selected at number 21, the Packers traded up with Seattle, gave up a fourth round pick that they had acquired from, I believe, the Haha Clinton Dix trade. 
Savage was thrown into the Packers starting secondary from the start of organized team activities. There was no question that he was playing at on another level. I mean, Devontae Adams was talking about it, and Devontae Adams does not dole out compliments like that. When the Packers opened the season against Chicago, Savage became the first rookie safety to start for Green Bay in Week 1 since Morgan Burnett in 2010. In 14 games, Savage ended up recording 55 total tackles to go along with two forced fumbles, two interceptions, and five defended passes. He missed two games in October with an ankle injury. And uh, in a conference call that was taken a, a couple weeks ago with Adrian Amos, he said, expect big things from Darnell Savage. Quote, the playbook, knowing what to expect the following season, being around your team and your situation coming into year two, we have the same secondary. He knows where I'm going to be, Adrian Amos, who the corners are going to be, and he can make a big jump in that year two. Something that uh, was a tasty morsel, Ken, that I found uh, research-wise was in 2018, his senior year at Maryland, Savage lined up as a slot corner on 332 snaps, strong safety at a, on 147 snaps, free safety on a 90 snaps, linebacker on 90 snaps, outside corner on 11 snaps, and edge rusher on 7 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. So this is your Swiss Army knife. You can move him all along the field. And when we talk about Elton Jenkins, you know, him being honored for the 2019 PFWA All-Rookie Team, Pro Football Writers Association. Darnell Savage was also honored as well. Him and Juan Thornhill were the only safeties honored for the PFWA All-Rookie Team, along with Elton Jenkins. What's your vibe on Macho Man, Great White Shark? And the reason why we give him a nickname is because blood in the water, his strongest skill set is his acceleration. I think his cover skills as a corner is something that really excites me. I could see him be that nickel nickel or slot corner. You can move him at free safety, strong safety. I guess you can play him in linebacker too with his experience. Where do you see Darnell Savage thriving in year two for Packers sophomores? Well, yeah, don't uh, don't forget edge rusher. <laughs> that's a yeah, your morsel there. He played seven snaps at edge. What a badass! And that's just it. Like like. <sighs> He's he's a prime candidate for an, an um, ascending player. I think in year two, um, his sophomore season. I think the sky's really the limit. He's got all the athleticism in the world. He said his acceleration. It was amazing just to watch a safety with speed and cover the ground. We haven't seen that in, you know seems like forever on the back end in Green Bay. And I'm. I couldn't tell you, like, I, I don't, if, if I had to place money, I, I would say no bet on where his primary position is going to be. Is he going to be, is he going to be, you know, in the nickel? Is he going to be, you know, playing in the back the majority of the snaps? I couldn't tell you. I, I, I don't even want to take that bet. He is, like you said, the Swiss Army knife of that defense. And the more players you can have like that on that side of the ball, where you don't have to substitute, where you can have one guy play multiple positions, be it in the backfield or even linebacker, potentially being some um, sneaky rushes on the outside. Oh, man, I, that is the player that I think has, of the group that we kind of talked about so far, the player who can be the most improved in year two compared to his freshman year. I think so. And, and you know, when you look at his freshman year, there are definitely a couple plays that really stick out. He's got r- window shrinking speed. So you like him playing deep as well. Um, there's two games that really uh, that I, that I gravitated to. One was against Minnesota 
Cousins, uh, where Savage was in the middle of the field, he accelerated and deflected a pass that was intended for Adam Thielen um, that resulted in an interception. When when Adam Thielen broke, uh, Savage was about 15 yards downfield and just in a blink of an eye gets his paws in there, makes a deflection, and I believe Shannon Sullivan was the one that ended up coming up with the interception. Another um, play that maybe doesn't get talked about a lot is against the Washington Redskins uh, first week in uh, December. Savage, again, is in a cover three zone, middle of the field, and he's isolated. He accelerates upfield for about 20-plus yards laterally to make a tackle. He gets his paws in there and results in, in a fumble and a turnover. The play was reviewed, and it was uh, nullified. So there are definitely glimpses right there where of Charles Woodson, of just scrappy. Um, and when you have Jair Alexander there, too, another scrappy player. You've got Kevin King and his length. You've got Adrian Amos, you know, year two, if we're going to talk about another Packers sophomore and how trustworthy he is as a safety, you really can just move Darnell Savage all over it. I would like him to trust his instincts a little bit more. And when he accelerates, I know that he looked like more of a thumper coming out of college and he plays with that, you know, that, you know, hair on fire sometimes. I didn't see that that much. And maybe that was just getting acclimated his rookie year. He was also coming off an ankle injury, but he definitely showed, you know, against Minnesota, again, you know, in in December, you know, late in the se- or late in the season what he has some potential and another guy that you talk about tilting the field. I think Darnell Savage is that guy that they wanted Josh Jones to be. Here's a guy that 436 oh, 40 speed top, you know, safety when it comes to the 40 according to Pro Football Focus, was the top-rated cornerback coming out as well. So, uh, Or slot corner, I should say. So you can move him all over the field. The people griping about Casey Hayward not being there, you've got him in Darnell Savage and a guy that can actually be even more dominant. You hit it all the ballpark when you said, I think uh, when we're talking about sky's the limit and there's Elton Jenkins, there's Rashawn Gary, there's Matt LaFleur, sky's the limit when it comes to year two. Darnell Savage is that guy, macho man. Anything else with Savage before we wrap up first half? Why'd you gotta? Why'd you? Why'd you gotta ruin my night talking about Josh Jones? Oh no, man? I you know uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know I was here having a good time. And... All right, so uh, with that, with that, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We're gonna iron this out, this little friction, and we'll be right back with the second half of Packer sophomores on tap. This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Here at Sonic Transformation, we believe that every good audio project starts with a good foundation. We want to help you build that foundation. Whether it be through commercial products or things you have around the house, no job is too big or small. We can make your podcast sound the best it can with what you have and a little nudging along the way. No equipment? No problem. Our consultants can help you get set up on your budget and in your space. Do you already have an established podcast but don't have the time to edit or just wish it sounded better? We can take care of that for you as well. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Again, that's www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined. And we are back with the second half of Packers sophomores on tap and just wanted to highlight Matt LaFleur. We talked about how he finished 13-3 and in his first season as head coach. 
He became the first Packers rookie to win 10 games, make the playoffs, and win the NFC North. As the words of his players reinforce, he has struck a nice balance between being a player's coach and a coach that demands high expectations on the field. He also hasn't allowed emotion to get the better of him in the same in some of the team's rougher moments this season, keeping a consistent tone for the Green Bay Packers, which is huge when you have a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I'll just throw that out there. But I wanted to say also, two is the magic number for NFL head head coaches. It's really difficult for NFL head coaches to reach the Super Bowl in their first season with a team. But many of football's greatest coaches have made their imprint in year two. Vince Lombardi inherited a 1-10-1 Packers team in 1959 and reached the NFL championship in 1960. All-time wins leader Don Shula did it twice, reaching the NFL championship in his year two with Baltimore and then reaching the Super Bowl in his second year in Miami. The following season, Miami went undefeated in their second seasons with their respective teams. Barry Switzer won the Super Bowl with Dallas. Tom Flores won the first of two Super Bowls with the Raiders. Joe Gibbs won the first of his three Super Bowls with Washington, and Bill Belichick won the first of his six Super Bowls with New England. Year two. You talk about a regression. I do not feel it. I think Matt LaFleur has that quiet calm that you want, but then has also got that nasty. He will bring the pain. Again, hypothetically, if all goes what the NFL is projecting and promoting, that we will have football. So keep that in mind, everyone that's tuning in, that we are mindful. We will we will have football. We will have football, but you know, they just announced that we're gonna be taking a haircut on the preseason games by yeah. number two. So so only two preseason game preseason games that might even go down even further. We'll see, man. I'm I've got same. my fingers crossed. I really do. I'm I'm hoping we see some good football this year, but you know, who I, knows? But at the same time, all these <laughs> sports are going back. MLB, NBA, uh, hockey's going back. There's money to be made. The players in the leagues are figuring out ways to make it work. And the NFL has the advantage of going last, yeah. right? And they get to see what everyone else does. I'm, I'm keeping my I'm fingers with you crossed. too. Um, and again, like hypothetically, so everyone that's tuning in, like we are completely mindful of the landscape of what's going on and uh, just want to talk Packers football. And so if there is a year two of the Matt LaFleur and uh, company, Green Bay Packers. Uh, this is what we're, we're projecting. And uh, we've got uh, one fan question that we're going to talk about. Professor Cheddarhead has been a repeat responder, if you will, to our fan questions. And he's got, he's got some good ones. And, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but his tweet out of uh, fan questions was, what what's the best cap move that Russ Ball has made? Oh man, you know what? I'll be honest. I I really struggled with this question. It's a good question, but I really struggled looking at this. And then as I was kind of thinking about it, I realized that the Packers really haven't put themselves in a position to like need shrewd cap moves or need cap relief. Um, Russ Ball's been doing this for 10 years. Before that, he had Andrew Brandt doing it. And they were steady as she goes. You really didn't see a lot of what you see Andrew Brandt tweet this out all the time, saying that today's free agent signings are usually the cap casualties two years later. And in Green Bay, 
we we really haven't seen like we need to make this move because we need the cap money. We need to cut this guy or restructure or push money out because we are up against it. We are we're in we're in trouble, right? right? Every year they take care of the cap and they make it healthy. And I look around the league in recent years of these moves where general managers are trying to go for it and go for it and they do stupid things and they push money out like Antonio Brown <laughs> 2019 I won't even go into all that but in the past two years Antonio Brown is costing 33 and a half million dollars of dead cap across three oh. separate teams <laughs> like not like it, and we'll just leave it at that but you get guys like well, you get guys like Von Miller and Khalil Mack who their GM sign these mega deals and then less than 12 months later are already restructuring the deal to push it out further and further. And you get, you're looking at these guys who are making or cost more against the cap than Aaron Rodgers does. And it's just these irresponsible moves. Tom Brady this year is costing $13.5 million against the Patriots. Oh. Not because he was cut or traded, but because of the way they finagled his contract, so that when he decided to leave on his own, that the the Patriots would be holding the bag for thirteen and a half million dollars. It'd be six point two five million dollars if he decided to sign on again. But like the, the Packers don't do right. this type of stuff, and that's good. That's that's a good thing, right? We don't want. We, we don't want to be in cap trouble. But, you know, if I think about this, you know, and this isn't a sexy answer, I really, really, really enjoy what just happened to Lane Taylor from a cap perspective right. where they were able to keep Lane Taylor around on this team when everybody that was, you know, would, who was talking about the Packers and cap moves and what they could do had Lane Taylor Yeah, the that's street. the weirdest thing. Yeah, because he... he Right, because, oh, he just can't make that much money as a backup because Elton Jenkins, who we just talked about, <laughs> coming in, taking over the job, right? And they come up to him and they're like, hey, man, we'll give you $100,000 more in guaranteed money, but we need you to take a $3 million pay cut. And he says, okay, after drafting three offensive linemen. And so now Lane Taylor is your backup at, like, what, four positions on the offensive line? And that's huge. And this is the same Lane Taylor that when the Packers unexpectedly cut Josh Sitton, you know, four-time Pro Bowler Josh Sitton, that this guy just came in and substituted in at the left guard position, and you never heard his name mentioned on the broadcast because he did his job. He was, everyone thought it was going to be As an undrafted free agent, too. Yeah, he's a guy, yeah, undrafted guy who beat out Elton Jenkins at the start of 2019. And now he's going to be your primary backup on the offensive line. And I I love that move. The Packers are a by far better team across the offensive line. And we talked about this on O-Line on Tap a few episodes back, that the Packers are better with Lane Taylor right. than without. And we haven't seen a lot of these moves, but that $3 million you know, savings to keep the same quality of player – Mwah, I dig kiss. it. I dig it. I was not expecting that. I was getting really giddy about this fan question because, you know, you being the salary cap guru, I was really curious to see or hear uh, 
what you had in mind. And yeah, uh, Lane Taylor, it was interesting. A lot of people were calling for his head because he got injured last year. And again, you hit, you hit it on the head where he beat out Elton Jenkins and say what you will. Maybe it was contract, all that stuff. But I mean, Big E was nasty. And so for Elton, for Lane Taylor to start week one, I think that speaks volumes for him. I think it speaks volumes also that on Land Taylor that he wants to stick around and really fortifies that offensive line. Shrewd move, I think. Uh, my favorite move is Devontae Adams' deal that Russ Paul was able to uh, develop a four-year, $58 million deal. You know, I had an $18 million signing bonus and then $30 million guaranteed. And, you know, at the time, you know, his in 2017, he was the 32nd ranked wide receiver with a $4.8 million contract. In 2018, he was the 13th ranked wide receiver with a $10.5 million contract hit. 2019, he was ranked 14th with a $10.8 million hit. And he will be the number five ranked wide receiver with a $16.475 million cap hit. And in 2021, he'll be ranked five again with a 16.6 million dollar cap hit and it's just beautifully structured where you really make Devonta Adams have to prolong his the entire contract in order for him you know he gets that signing bonus he gets that guaranteed but how they sort of backload it where if Devonta Adams doesn't you know ascend to the heights that he is at right now we're, we're able to kind of uh get get under get out from underneath that and that's what I love about Russ Ball and co- for comparison's sake Michael Thomas last year signed a 5-year 100 million dollar contract with 61 million of new guaranteed money so Devonte had 18 million for a signing bonus and 30 million guaranteed I, I just think it's a beautiful done deal um it'll be interesting to see what happens with that third contract I don't want to get our spirits down too much in 2020 after 2021 but you know I thought about it long and hard and just thinking about how they were able to strike that deal after his rookie contract going from 1 million to 4.8 and how they were able to structure it level by level level by level year by years like you said chef's kiss right and to your point like the Packer way is not letting your star players get the free agency you lock them up beforehand and that's what they did with Devante they came to me like hey man <laughs> you want this money you know we'll offer this to you right now otherwise you can wait and you know see what happens and you know devon you know took the money and now you look at that deal and it's, it's a bargain but yeah uh after 2021 we'll see you know there's opportunity there too to restructure his deal either this year or next year you know with some sort of extension maybe add a few more years on it and drop the cap hit a little bit and again you know talking you know don't want to talk too much but next year with 2021 and who knows what's going to happen with the season who knows what's going to happen to the salary cap we even even talked about <laughs> that yet in our episodes but um man i could go on forever on that you know teams are going to need every dollar they can get if there's going to be a season next year or sorry you know if if revenues yeah. drop this year and affect the salary cap and Devontae Adams might be one of those guys where we can maybe, you know, come back to that good contract well in uh, 
push it out a little bit further and see if we can make some third contracts man it'll be interesting to see with Gutekunst what 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 he does we'll you know see. he's a he's a wolf and thompson acolyte but yeah i'm surprised we will definitely do some salary cap talks and as we wrap up packers sophomores on tap we just have one fan question that was the salary cap question but we did want to talk about the recent rookie signings of quarterback jordan love and running back aj dillon uh, General Manager Brian Gutekunst announced the transactions on Wednesday, July 1st. And uh, give me your, I mean, Packers traded their fourth round pick to Miami to move up four spots from 30 to number 26 to shock the world and select Utah State quarterback Jordan Love in the 2020 NFL draft. But, you know, what's your take, man? Fully guaranteed money, too. People are freaking out. But should they be? Yeah, the- I don't. I don't think so. On the fully guaranteed, you know that that's what caught a lot of the headlines when it was first. I believe Mike yeah. Ruffalo yep. dropped that information that it was uh, fully yep. guaranteed. But then uh, my friend Jason over at Over the Cap, you know, put it in perspective and said, "Hey, look, not really a big deal. Last year, in the twenty fourth pick got a fully guaranteed deal, which is typically which would normally mean that this year the twenty fifth pick, right, would get." a fully guaranteed deal. Jordan Love was a 26th. So the way he puts it is rather than Hagel over 1.6% of the contract not being non-guaranteed, they just did the full guarantee because he's a quarterback. You know, I I equate it to like saying keep the change. <laughs> something's like $19 and a few pennies. You say, okay, keep the change. That's kind of what this is. So it's, it's just kind of everything kind of plays off last year. These contracts for rookies don't have a lot of negotiating room. You can only put in very limited things. You can't get creative with rookie contracts. Okay. You can put some off-season workout bonuses in. You can put some playtime incentives in there, but it, there's not much you can do. There's a little, you know, there's a rule that not many people talk about called the 25% increase rule, where his con a rookie's contract can't increase more than 25% over what his year one contract value is and that's exactly how jordan loves plays out where each year it goes up 25 percent, 25 25 percent, and so that's how and then the salary cap is now slotted where basically your signing bonus is essentially predetermined when you're drafted and your base salary is going to be the minimum and so these contracts there's not a lot of wiggle room you don't see holdouts and yeah so 12.3 in million yeah. and change and fully guaranteed and it's it's kind of the going rate and you know yeah there's a lot of hoopla over fully guaranteed but it's just it's not really that yeah, big of a six deal. and a half million dollar signing bonus too it's interesting you know yeah and again yeah, that's predetermined that's not russ ball that's not goody that's the draft basically slotting system determining that so again i saw a bunch of you know commentary out there saying oh this is what it means you know the packers are fully all in on love <laughs> yeah. and this contract shows that it's like not not really um what it what it does mean is that they can't yeah. cut him like he's not going to be cut for the duration and he's not going to be traded you know we didn't draft him this year to trade him next year i, I saw that conspiracy theory a few times like the Packers will take a bath on that too if, if they try and move them because, again, mm-hmm. that signing bonus until like three years down the road. 
but by that time he's likely going yeah, to be the I mean, starter. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not well, sure. Well, Lafleur. I mean, they're tied to Love. I mean, it's a guarantee. So it's on Love. It's on. It's on the floor to develop and coach him up. But that's another topic for another day. But I did want to talk about this just for, just for you know, I, I'm a Jordan Love fan. I've been, you know, like I said, I'm not a grinder when it comes to film, but I do watch my fair share of film and been watching a lot on Jordan Love. Jordan Love being 6'4", just a pound under 220. In 2018, he threw 32 touchdowns, had just six interceptions, had a 64% completion rate, and had 3,567 yards. He's here in second team, all Mountain West Conference honors. And so, granted, 2019 was just a dumpster fire. He lost a uh, you know <laughs> running back, wide receiver, a couple O-line. Gary Anderson, you remember Gary Anderson, Wisconsin Badger, former head coach Gary Anderson? He was coaching uh, the A's in Utah State, so you can know how that went offensively, but Man, go back and watch some tape on 2018. Andy Herman um, obviously does a great job. He's been on our show a couple times. Uh, He's got, what, like 12 things that I've learned from uh, watching tape on Jordan Love. It's really fascinating. I'm rooting for him. Uh, I can't wait to talk more about Jordan Love and talking about another rookie that we're super excited about, A.J. Dillon signing today. How you feel about that? I love me. I love me some AJ. <laughs> I love me the sauce. You know, I, I I can't wait. I'm excited to see what he can do. I think that he's going to bring a thumper mentality to that backfield. I'm excited to see him catch out mm-hmm. of the backfield. You know, that's the thing that he kind of got a bad rap for that he didn't get his number called a lot over in Boston College. But again, their offense really wasn't designed to do that. He's by all accounts, he's a great in pass protection too. So he could be that, you know, that, that's that's key, especially when you got a guy like Aaron Rodgers. You hear all the time coming out of out of the Packers organization that one of the most important traits you can have as a running back in this offense for this quarterback is the ability to protect Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, that's not a sexy thing, but he's good at it. And I, I, I can't wait. I'm Running back is going to be one of those positions – in training camp, if there's a training camp, if there's a season, you know, that I'm I'm the most intrigued for to kind of see how that all shakes out because there's a lot of talent back there and who knows how many spots are going to be available. But Dylan being a second-round pick, he's definitely in the Packers' plans for the future and they see a lot of potential. I mean, 62nd overall, I mean, he was another shocker. I mean, first, second, third round, uh, I... You know, I, I needed to lay down for a little bit, and I've had some time to process uh, the information. Yeah, dude, man, I was I was more shocked, honestly, by the Dylan pick than I was. The oh, Dylan. really? I had to sit down yeah. and like, uh, I I honestly, I think I I blacked out for a second when they drafted Jordan Love. Oh With yeah, Jordan I, Love. It took I, me a while. The more shocking thing for me was the trade, the trade up. When I saw the trade up, I'm like, okay, is this is this going to be Josh Jones, the <laughs> tackle, not the uh, safety that you he like re-entered into the over half a second time. Uh, yeah, and then you bring up Gary Anderson again. Like, I don't know what you're <laughs> doing to me, man, tonight, but <laughs> yeah, AJ Dillon was. By I'm just here to ground you. That's me. all. I, it's all about ground. We we got to stay humble. Oh, we can't get ahead of ourselves. There's Gary Anderson. Okay. 
you know, bad apples. That's just how the world works sometimes. But for me, yeah, the Dylan pick, that one, that was for me more of a what is happening. The love pick, I I understand. I've been saying, you know, it's either this year or next year. We got to get a quarterback. But yeah, Dylan, hey, but now, you know, now that I've recovered (laughs) from the shock and had time to think about it, I'm excited. I'm here for it. I could, you know, he could be, you know, who knows what the Packers plans are at running back in the future. You know, we've got Jones and Williams and Williams and Irvin. We don't know where they're going to be, you know, or swerve. swerve. And, you know, Dylan could be, you know, RB one next year. I think so. so. I think that could really be a possibility. I mean, you look at what Derek Henry brought to, uh, Tennessee and Matt LaFleur in his first year's office, his first and only year's offensive coordinator. Keep in mind, he interviewed for the head coaching position there too. Ended up winding taking the offensive coordinator position. Took them a while, halfway through the season, but they had a really interesting run game with Deion Lewis and, and Derrick Henry. I'm excited to see what A.J. Dillon, I just, that's what I foresee, is just a guy that will just run over people. Uh, he's six foot, 247 pounds. He only needed 35 collegiate games to reset program records in both rushing yards, which 4,382 and 38 rushing touchdowns. That's 35 games. He had 38 rushing touchdowns. He had a a touchdown per game a little bit more. He rushed for more than 1,000 yards in each of his three seasons with the Eagles. If you go back and watch tape of A.J. Dillon in that Louisville game with Lamar Jackson and Jair Alexander, man, he just, he's nasty. And I just, him behind Elton Jenkins... I think the sky's the limit. I'm really excited to see what uh, AJ Dillon brings to this team. You know that they're going to be uh, run oriented. They're going to have really just uh, heavy formations that focus a lot on play action. And uh, like you said, you got to have the ability to pass protect. You got to have a b- ability to disguise. And I think AJ Dillon being that guy, you can push. Aaron Jones out. He could be more of your pass catcher as well as uh, Swerve. A lot of misdirection. A lot of, you know, I think a lot of disruption in the background because of A.J. Dillon. He just brings a totally different set of skills that I don't think we've seen. I mean, I I, I think of Eddie Lacy, mm-hmm. but man, there's just something a little bit different with A.J. Dillon and uh, has the best nickname too, the sauce. Yeah, sign me up for two back sets with Dylan and Jones this year. I'm I'm for it. I'm I, I can't wait to see what they can do and then just you know lining up on first down and then doing completely different formation on second down, like you said, with Jones maybe lining up at receiver or something. Yeah, and yeah, the nickname. We got two excellent nicknames now. So we got AJ the Sauce Dylan and we got Dexter Juice Ooh. Williams in the backfield. So we got the sauce and the juice. Well, I'm excited, and uh, well, there you have it. Any last words for Packers sophomores on tap? Go Pack I'm go. your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Ken Ingles. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. 
your sound refined. <laughs>